This episode is sponsored by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you're not a member yet, you can join our Patreon for as low as $1 per month to support the cast and crew of The Bardic College. Unlock bonus content featuring your favorite players, get exclusive access to shows you can't find anywhere else, and even get a chance to have Raz run a game of your choice. Visit us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. Hello, my name is Lauren, but you probably know me as Catherine Ross. I'm here to let you know that if you love our content and want to feel the same dread, terror, and jubilation that I do, then make sure to check out Lurking Fears when you head out to your next convention. With a great group of professional storytellers, Lurking Fears is able to weave stories that will haunt you and take you to the very edge of madness, which is something I know a little bit about. Now, while specializing in Call of Cthulhu, Lurking Fears also runs games from a variety of other systems. So there's something for everyone. They're committed to running heavy RPG adventures that are driven by the narrative, and of course, by the player's choices. So, check out their Facebook page and follow them to keep on top of which con they'll be hosting games at next. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Now, let's get back to the action and see what our Keeper Raz has in store for us. But, if history has taught us anything, probably gonna be bad news. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening and welcome back to another exciting edition of Cthulhu in Cairo. Why is it exciting? Because we're here and you're joining us and that's fabulous. So uh, we are joined by almost everybody except Ella Walcott, who, as we remember in the last show, uh, Ella was taken away by the men from Section M uh, and told that she needed to answer some questions regarding uh, some things that happened in Ella's past. So if you remember, Ella Walcott came to us and claimed she was a cult hunter and early on when she first joined the team had mentioned to, to the group that she had actually been looking into the Thule Society in Berlin. And that's how she kind of found out about what they were doing and started tracking John Schooley. So Ella was taken away. Yeah. And we think that she may be talking to Section M about some things about the Thule Society or whatever's going on in Berlin right now. So we'll find out more about that on our Patreon show of Operation Poltergeist. You can check out Ella there. She's on, she's making a guest appearance on the first show, and that'll be released in a couple of months. But you're here for this show. So let's get back to the action. So we're in Nepal. And when we last left Vadim, um, how are you tonight, Scott, playing Vadim? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. So the girls got a side of Vadim that they're not used to, and it didn't come with fries. Uh, it was just a <laughs> it was just a real you will tell me what I want. Uh, no milkshake, no, no milk, no nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he but understandable. I mean, he's been patient, 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 and now it's time to find out what the hell's going on. He's here. It's like he's been holding holding back, trying to to remain productive and calm for the group, but when, you know, the the goal was right there in front of his face, he just couldn't uh couldn't uh, reserve himself anymore. And I think that makes sense to his background as well from the from the uh, solo adventure. Yep. Vadim, you know, seemed to be, he's in control, right? Most of the time. And he's also decisive. Yeah. And, and when push comes to shove, it's time to go. Yeah, if it requires a knife in the back at an opportune moment, that's what's going to happen. Between some rail cars. That's right. But you can find out more about that when we release a part two, which is coming up over the weekend. Uh, so girl, ladies, Catherine, Faye, how are you this evening? That's Lauren and Mel, of course, always playing Catherine and Faye. How are the ladies doing? I'm I'm just dandy, sir. Um, we've been promised a mind fuck this evening, listeners. I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah, you're dandy. Um, I'm shitting my pants over here. Anxious, oh, it was so. a lie. It was a lie. I too am nervous. I'm just, you know, 
Yeah, um, I want to go in. I want to go and rip up some uh, floorboards to find uh, those old documents. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. Um, It took me a second to, I I just thought that that was something you wanted to do for fun. I'm like, oh, okay, demolition. (laughs) No, I mean, honestly, kind of checks out. But Hmm. no, there's there's a method to my madness. I want to rip up those floorboards. I want to find out where Yinko went. Hopefully put some uh, puzzle pieces together and uh, take care of these poor girls. Catherine, I think, wants to try and make homemade soup. Good for her. Jack, how are you tonight? Joel playing Jack Cavendish. Uh, Jack is here in Nepal for the, his first time, uh, and I'm sure he's finding out that it's uh, it's everything he probably uh, wished and hoped it would be, right? Yeah, I think Jack is wondering what the hell. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's clearly stepped into a place that looks very interesting to him and far more interesting than Russia, and yet everyone is acting in a way that says, this place is bad, we don't want to come back here. And he doesn't know the reason behind all of this. So right. he's definitely the odd man out in this town and in this situation. Well, we're going to get Jack caught up to speed very quickly, I'm sure. So that's so folks, they found the nieces of Yinko and they told him that they told them that he had disappeared several weeks ago, gone, uh, that the bar had been sold. And uh, we know that had happened because Vadim spoke to the new owner and that there were some blonde men involved. They hid. Uh, the men were here for a while, and then they just left. And through a third-party agent handling uh, overseas real estate in China, this new owner found out about this opportunity, made his way here, and ended up shitting his pants because he wasn't prepared for Vodham to wave a very large gun in his face. So we're back at the uh, at the Dalsha Hotel with the girls. They went in. They were called unclean. They got chased out. Everybody turned around, walked back to Torgi's house. And I believe that's where we left off. Is that correct, team? Yeah, I think that was. Did we? So we did leave the hotel. Yeah, I will say we'll go back to. Yeah, we'll go back to Torgi's place. And yeah, we'll, I said some I think, rude I, things to I that. Think Jack up. said that, and we'll make a fire and um, we'll get set up shop and girls. Yeah. So Catherine buys these things, oxen, ox bones, and some other things for soup. She's putting the soup on. We're good, uh, and that's where we'll pick up. Pick up. Uh, Begin. So it's about two thirty. We'll call it two thirty in the afternoon. By the time all that crap happens, and um, Oh, no, because you got there a little bit later. So it's probably closer to like 6, 30, 7 o'clock. So the bar is probably in full swing right now. That's right. And uh, what do you want to do? Well, Vadim is uh, he, he's a little confused. He's, he, you know, he's totally on board with taking care of these children, obviously. Uh, but he doesn't really, uh, you know, he's like, you know, th- is this the children's home? Is this theirs? Is, are we safe here? Is this someone else's? I don't think we're going to have to worry about anyone coming to this house this belong to their parents and I make sure that they're out of earshot and I say and their parents are gone and so is most of their family and you've seen how everyone's been treating them I don't think we're going to run into any issues here so they're safe here yes but I don't feel I, I don't really feel good about leaving them alone but I guess they're safe here they've been safe here for however long but how how old are they again Fifteen and twelve, I believe. Oh, right. oh, okay. So one of them is pretty much basically an adult. <laughs> that was sort of the conversation we had on the side of the mountain, if I remember correctly. Yeah, fifteen-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, fifteen-year-old back then. It was like much different like, than a fifteen-year-old. It's like you, you do not have a job. What is the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you not married? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, all seriousness, no. That that. So that's that's an age of you know able to very young, young, but able to start. I definitely think, yeah, the the oldest one can definitely look out for her younger sister, but I mean, they've been by themselves for this long and 
Right. In a normal place, they might, someone might be able to take her in as a, a housemaid or do some sort of work like menial. Because remember, there's no factories here. So that's that's completely out. The big problem is, is that the way the populace is treating yeah. them with, with suspicion. They're like untouchable. That's the problem right now. So if if that can be thwarted, if they could. Yeah. But, but hopefully finding the ledgers and things that Yinko would have left behind will help shine some extra information. Absolutely. So at this point we, you know, I, I would say, I, I think you said this, but when we're going back to the, to the, to the, the housing, you know, complex, we would have picked up tons of supplies, gone shopping, absolutely, yeah. get some food. Yeah. Anything that the girls would have needed. Like I would have asked them like, you know, what do you need? Like what's, you know, do they need clothes? Do they need shoes? Do they need food? Whatever, whatever they need. Jack, you feel like chopping some wood for a little bit just to help out with that with them because they probably don't have enough wood. Oh, sure. Remember, no she, she was afraid. She was afraid to start fires. They were really trying to keep a low profile. They didn't want anybody coming in on them. Yes, Jack will chop wood. That's that's perfectly fine. Just to get started, yeah. We'll just okay. So Jack drops five or six cords of wood out. Uh, it just takes three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> five casual cords of wood. That's right. Casual, a casual couple of cords. <laughs> um, yeah. So Jack's doing that. Uh, food's on. The, the girls, once they eat, they their color, tone, I mean, food is an amazing thing when you're really starving, right? I mean, your body just starts to kick back almost. The vitality starts to come into your eyes. They look brighter. Um, they're scar- I mean, they're scarfing the rice because obviously Catherine made some sort of chicken and rice soup or oxen rice soup, right? Catherine, put a little rice in it. Yeah, I mean, gotta... Why not? Why not? Number one, it's delicious. Number two, they need like bulking up. Mm-hmm. I want to inner mom coming out. Because the door, there's a knock at the door, and you can see through the small, gl- you know, the glass pane on the front of it. Because again, this was a business on the downstairs level of the house, uh, where the dining room area was, and everything. They always used that as like their office and laying out the maps and things. And there was charts, but the back was where the kitchen was, and then they had a little upstairs. But in this building, you can see through the glass on the on the door that Gustav is standing there and he's knocking. So he must have either found out that you came this way, or the Dalsha Hotel told him. But whatever happened, he was able to track you down to this location. I let him in. He comes in and he's like, we're not staying in the hotel. I I take it there was some sort of a, a disagreement. The men at the front desk said that you had checked out. You can say that. She's just aggressively chopping vegetables. He's lucky we do not burn down his hotel. <laughs> I might go back and do it. Vadim is on full Russian mode. Vadim's just, he's just scorched earth policy at this point. I, I need papers. I need to burn hotel. I need to kill this man. To treat children that way, just uh, not human. Children. Oh, um, oh, very well. Uh, I have made inquiries about moving Miss Aveline's body, and um, they're going to be speaking to a holy man in the area, and that there will have to be some prayers done. But um, we'll be able to take care of that in, in the next day or two, and then I will be able to make arrangements to fly her home. That's wonderful. She's she should be home. I agree. I agree. But what is this other business, um, Mister Gavrilov? On the plane, you said that you were looking into the location of of, of some loved ones. I, I, I know you weren't very specific. Did that work out for you? It. And who are these children? I. I my name, hi, I'm I'm Gustav. And he waves at them. They're they're kind of sitting there, just looking at him. Uh, Vadim has been very um, like he doesn't know the man. He sees that there's right. some sort of connection. So he's I don't even know if he's actually spoken to him at this point. Um, he, you don't think he's, he'd even say that he was looking for somebody? Okay. No, no. I mean, up to the, like Gustav, uh, Gustav hears and approaches him. I'm just saying up to this point, Vadim has been very stand back, you know, like letting letting, uh, you know, uh, Faye and Catherine, who who know him, handle all interactions with him. So okay. he's kind of like um, 
yes, I, I am missing family and hoping to find answers. I, I hope you were able to as well. Were you successful in that endeavor? Not yet. Well, if there's anything I can do, I, I, I do have some skills. Uh, Miss Abilene was always vetting her people, so making sure that we were able to do most things that require, you know, require a, a subtle hand. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have it on, in, all in, in control. But like I said, if you, if you need anything, please. How are you at uh, breaking and entering? Um, pretty good. <laughs> to be honest, not as good as Mr. Cavendish outside with that axe. Uh, he's going to town on that wood, but yes. That would be quietly breaking and entering. Better. I prefer to leave very little trace if possible. Duh. Now? <laughs> like, well, uh, there is uh, there is place. Um, uh, are Faye and Vodham the only one that heard about the thing in the floor? Uh, um, I think that we would have shared that with Catherine and Jack as we were, you know, going back here and everything. At least I would. Oh yeah, definitely. Bottom's open up to he's he's fully in trust mode to to everyone here. Yeah, just you know, appraise some of what's going on. So to to Gustav, Vadim is like there is there is a bad business going on here. A friend has disappeared. Business is in hands of new people. It does not belong. We are trying to find answers, and I believe my family may be connected to this. And we have information that there may be hidden papers in building. So definitely uh, a uh, after hours entry, if you will. Very well. Um, yes, of course. If the team requires my help, and or if you need lead a lookout man or somebody just to provide a small distraction, uh, I'd be glad to help in any way I can, sir. Vadim, having uh, gotten used to watching Faye move and Catherine move, kind of says, um, looks at Faye and says, "Yes, I think Faye may be very helpful as well." You name it, I'll climb it. I can get in the. I can get in the small side. The uh, what do they call it? The what was that small one on the older cars when you used to for your um for your cigarette ash? <laughs> yeah, like your, your cigarettes cig- out of. I can even I can even get in that side mirror by the you know for adjusting your, your the side window. You're damn right, I can. <laughs> on a '74 Pinto. What were those windows called? Oh man, oh, we got a yeah, window, little, and then little you had triangle your, thing. Yeah, the little latch. Yeah. I don't know, it had a latch on. Someone will write into us giving us the right name. It's I trust our listeners. That just means they're older than us. Thank you, listeners, if you are. Um, <laughs> sorry for pointing that out. Someone has to be. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, all right, so yes, Catherine, soup is on, girls are fed. Uh, do you feed the rest of the pack? J- Jack comes back at some point, uh, and he's all he's actually, Jack's going to stay out and chop wood for just a little bit longer as I look at my camera. <laughs> Jack is going to be out there for a good portion of the evening, maybe. But yes, Jack is... Jack is cutting wood, and uh, that took me by surprise because I didn't look up and see BRB. I, I bring a bowl of soup out to our industrious lumberjack. But... Lumberjack. <laughs> oh, my God. That's wow. so cute. Wow. Kind of Beautiful. flew over my head for half a second there. No, this wood would split easy if I actually was using an axe. It would take just less of time. What are you using? I have God. to use my, my, my mustache. <laughs> His bare hands. He's just <laughs> snapping wood. Wow. <laughs> just... Um. Catherine is, once people are fed, I begin industriously cleaning. Like, you know, taking scrub brushes and going in between grout, dumping buckets. Make a sanity check. Oh my oh. god! 
Yeah. Oh no! I realized I, as soon I as you said is, it. Oh my goodness! I, I'm so nervous. My brain blanked for a second. My sanity's a forty-six. I got forty-three. Your sanity's forty-six after you got the the bump because you got sanity back that's, this round. That's my sanity back. Yeah, hmm. I got. A, but you made it. Oh, good. Um, forty-three, right? Yeah. You avoid that part of the wall. Yep. How about just that there's... room? How about I clean everywhere else? Okay. You clean everywhere else. We don't talk about that room. We don't talk about that one room. Oh. Yeah, because there's three shots here with smashed plaster and blood, and there's one on the back wall. Ah! I forgot! Okay, so I'm cleaning, I'm doing laundry, I'm avoiding that one particular room. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to take care of their home. Is Gustav aware of that this is where it happened? Not yet, but he sees the blood on the wall. I mean, but that could have been from anybody getting... He doesn't realize it's here that Aveline got, you know, You know, there are some details that people just don't need to know. I mean, look, Gustav's smart. We told him, you know, how she died and everything. So he's probably putting two and two together. I'm not going to put an arm around him and point and go, you know... It was that one. That's where it happened. That's the AB one. That's the one. one. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I definitely do want to pull him aside, though, like, you know, if if he is, like, staying here with us or if he's going to do whatever secretive stuff Gustav's doing. No, I mean, I mean, he needs a place to stay, but he he wasn't thrown out of the hotel. But if, if you don't if you don't mind him staying here, there are I mean, you can fit people, you know, head to toe upstairs. The place is it's. It's two bedrooms upstairs, but you can, I mean, if the girl's in one, guy's in the other, you can make everybody fit. Oh, yeah, no. It's on the floor. I, it's it's comfortable, but, you know, it's on the floor. I it's mean, he can, he can do whatever he wants. Um, I was just mm-hmm. going to say, I wanted to pull him aside because I wanted to talk to him about the girls. Like, maybe okay. moving them to a more safe, welcoming location. Because Aveline did have a soft spot for kids, so I'm kind of hoping that maybe that transferred to her Gustavs. All right, so how do you want to approach that? Um, you know, if he's just kind of standing off to the side or sitting on the side, I would kind of just come over, you know, just smile at him, make like, you know, some small talk. And then I would just say, so we've, I'm sure you've heard that. And I I make sure that the girls aren't within earshot. Cause... Yeah, they're probably, I mean, they're, they're tired. They're fatigued. They were fatigued. They just ate. They're very comfortable and warm by the, the big stove in the back, just kind of sitting there talking to Catherine as she's cleaning, you know, reminiscing about that great time that they had in the mountain. Not the great time. Great (laughs) memories. Um, So, you know, I'm just, I'm sitting next to him um, and I just bring up the girls and I say, you know, they lost most of their family and their parents when Mueller came here and terrorized this place looking for what we were searching for. And it happened. Oh, oh, it, it happened here. I was wondering if this was, I see. Yeah. I see. Um, well, their parents, they, everyone lost people at other places. That's not important. What is important is these girls right now are alone and scared. When we stumbled upon them, they were living in this house and they were too scared to even light a fire because they were worried that people were going to come after them. They're social pariahs here. I... I feel bad asking, but I know that Aveline had resources and I know that she had, she always had a soft spot for the vulnerable, especially children. I just don't know if there's anything that you could do to help them. What's your, do you have a persuade? I do. My persuade is a 50. 
All right. Well, first of all, you mentioned Aveline and you mentioned that this is the house that she was attacked in. So I'm going to give you a plus 20 to that role because in my opinion, he'd be very, this is bringing up a lot of emotion for him. So go ahead and make me a roll on that. Bonus for the conversation, I think makes, because if you had really, yeah, you, you kind of played on the heartstrings a little bit there. That's what I do. Um, I rolled a 42, so that would make it regardless. Um, but with the plus, that wouldn't be a hard success. That's just a regular success. I'm doing math in my head. That's okay. So the question becomes, so he, this is what he says to you. He says, uh, of course, I, we, we, could, we could work something out if the girls would be willing to, to leave. Um, I, taking a 15 and 12-year-old child from their native land might be more harm than good. But if it is something they choose and they want to come with you or with me, if, if, they, if they trust that, uh, we could find a place for them, I'm sure, and get them placed with someone back in, you know, back in Miss Abilene's native country. And or, and, you know, I'm sure we could make something happen for them. Uh, like you said, her means were enough that monetarily we'd be able to put them up comfortably until somebody was able to take them in or the young ladies were trained in a skill. It's just a question of, do they wish to travel? That I think would have to be the key. Yeah, I haven't even, I haven't even brought it up to them yet. I think that with everything that they've gone through, and I'm hoping that maybe being taken care of and seeing that there are people out there that are willing to care for them, maybe they'll go. But this is the only place that they've ever known. I'm making some assumptions about the the airplane rides, which were long, and that there was a small group of people together. He turns to you, Jack, and he says, well, Mr. Cavendish, um, in truth, uh, culture shock-wise, you may be more assistance here than even I could be. These girls are not used to cities, and London is a metropolis that is teeming with people and a very different form of life. You live on more of a wilderness area. Yes, yes, I would agree. And and I myself, uh, while I had traveled into Nairobi countless times, is hardly a large city when uh, compared to London or, or Paris or one of the other areas. And I, you know, in traveling to those highly dense and modern cities, I, I think the children will be lost. It will be mentally, it will be equally as stressful as what they're going through now. I think if they're to go somewhere... Perhaps the idea is to find a location where they could go and live comfortably in like surroundings. While the climate may be different, you were speaking of your reserves, sir. Maybe that is uh, an option that works where they could work on your in, at your establishment or uh, just learning some trade. Yes. Uh, I, I, again, I, I don't mean to put this on you, Mr. Cavendish. I, I, I'm trying to think what would be best for them should they be willing to travel. No, I, I think that would be fine. I mean... We have uh, many cabanas and, and they could work as, you know, helping staff uh, at the main house or in the cabanas in, in, in some way as they learn. They could, they could work, you know, in our clinics. Uh, you know, it, it is a large preserve. So that is possible. Yes. I mean, I could just, I, I could, well, I, I guess I wouldn't be able to reach out from a phone in this location. Uh, we have to wait till we got somewhere where I could actually send word. And, and of course. send the girls on. So and and, and we, in Miss Aveline's name, you know, memory, we, I, we'd be more than glad to compensate you until they were taking, you know, established and able to to do something to help on the on your reserve. We wouldn't expect you to do this out of charity. Uh, well, well, I, we hardly be charity. They would be earning their keep. But yes, I mean, to be honest, 
the savannah and many areas uh, in Africa are places where people find themselves anew, reinvent themselves. My father did. There is a place where where you can become something completely different if you can thrive in, in that type of environment. But I do agree, and I'm, I'm certainly willing to help out if it will help the girls. I, I, I'm not inhumane, but I don't want you to think that they will sit around and be treated like princesses. They will become member of staff and they would earn their keep. I think that would be, again, we speak for them. Uh, Miss Dawson, you should speak to them when it comes time. Catherine and I can sit down and talk and... Yeah, I, I could reach out to Kakiyangu, who's my, my best friend. I grew up with him. And, and while he is native, uh, he does work and guide uh, at, at the at the estate. And and he could find out and arrange and possibly meet them, you know, at a train uh, in Nairobi or a plane, you know, whichever we can sort of sort out. We just have to work on the timing. Excellent. All right, Vadim. So let's talk about your what you want to do. So it's about 8 p.m. The bar is running, but it's not a, a London pub where it's going to be open to, you know, actually, I think most London pubs at this time in, in, in 1930s were still closing by midnight. 11 p.m. or midnight. I don't think that's, I don't think drinking till two or three in the morning is a big thing. It's it's a different culture. Uh, I know in Ireland, a lot of them close by 11. But anyway, long story short, we'll say midnight is the time that this particular establishment, the Peaks, as it's been renamed, would start to shut itself down. Speaking to, to the whole group, we will want to make sure that the streets are quiet, the bar is closed, and then we find quiet rear door or entrance to, uh, to gain our to gain our entrance and our exit from. Jack and Catherine, um, if you would be so willing, lookouts are always very much needed. Yes, of course, my good man. We'll always have your side. And who knows? It, things may get rough. One can hope, right? <laughs> well, that's why we carry weapons. Mm. Odd moment for humor. Pause for violent humor. I'm sorry, it wasn't intended as humor. It was just intended as fact. Um, so Vadim would be going over plans as far as, you know, what he can recall of the, uh, the layout of the building and, um, you know, the likely location of any rear doors or entrances, you know, the, the streets around it, the best point to approach it from, you know, kind of rough drawing a map, you know, ha- you know, asking for input from anybody else that might, uh, that might, uh, you know, have recollections of, well, this was here and there was that there and, you know, between everybody being able to to flesh out a, you know, a layout, uh, an approach scheme, getting, uh, getting Gustav's input. Obviously he seems like an experienced gentleman and see if we can flesh out a plan. So what you do remember is, and I'll just give you a quick run up again, the bar, uh, it sits out in the, so there's, the building has basically a small joining between these walls. So the front of the bar is about 25 feet deep and almost twice again, wide across. So the building is a large front face. The front part is only one level. Then it goes down into a from a hallway in the back corner. There's a beaded door, and then it, you know it slides. To, you know, there's actual opening closed door behind. There's this beaded panel. You move that aside. You go through a small hallway into another part of the building, which is where Yinko used to hold his his court, so to speak. That room is the same size, but it's much much deeper. So instead of 25 feet deep, it's probably more like 70, but it's the same width. Okay. Uh, there are two rooms off to the left. As you remember and recall, there are four pillars that line each side with what, you know, that give that shape of like, a, almost like a, an arch or an alcove. There's a small spiral staircase off to the right that goes to the second floor. The second floor is only part of the main part of the building. It's only half of it. So this building looks flat. 
flat and then extends like to two stories in the back half of it. Uh, in, the, in that part, uh, you never only the ladies have been up there. They recall, as a matter of fact, while ladies' education is to, um, I believe, is to know, and intelligence is an idea. So to know is what we're looking at. Make education rolls for me, please. Hard success. Excellent. Faye? That is a fail. Okay, so Catherine, you're able to remember with a hard success the layout. There were one, two, there are four uh, guest bedrooms on the upper floor. They are not big by any stretch of the imagination. One is the where you and Faye had stayed. One was where Aveline, I mean, I'm sorry, where Ella Walcott had stayed when she came back and then was taking her flying lessons. There is also a master bedroom that you never were actually in. And outside the master bedroom at the far end of the hallway, uh, there was a small sitting area in front of that. So a place like where you could take tea or or whatever, anybody in the guest area could have a, a, a breakfast. Again, in the back of the building, the windows are very small. They're like um, just enough to let some panel light in. So they're the old kind that went across the the, um, the top of the of the ceilings on a wall. They would meet, go right up to where the roof meets the, the wall, and they were only like maybe 12 or 14 inches, and they're just this panel glass. And it's that old type of glass that um, it's not clear. Like it's it's what they, it's got the iron in it, right? Or what do they call that type? Let it, thank you. Let it glass. So it just lets in some ambient light. That's it. There's no real windows in the back half of the building, but there are some upstairs. So on the upstairs floor, you have a few bedrooms with windows in it. Yours was one of them. But on the main floor itself, the only way to get in is through the door that you know of. The front there's door. no other op- The front door. And there's no rear door to the building. That you, uh, not that they're aware of, not that you've scouted. No. Because I am not an infiltrator, some sort of commando. I pass on whatever information I can. I sketch out a rough map on a napkin or something. I, I'm not thrilled at the idea of going back in. I'm happy to remain a lookout on the exterior of the building, but I'm not looking to go in again. The information, too, was that um, the possible things hidden in the floorboards were in the office, right? That's the hint that you were given, yes. They should be. that he. They, they're thinking they were told to look... And they've said it's the office. Let's just go with that. That yes. would make sense. So the the second floor seems like residence, like most likely what are people would be encountered. Yes. Yeah. And he looks at Gustav and says, best to avoid, no? I agree. Well, unless that's our way of egress um, and entrance, you know, to go through the upstairs and then make our way down quietly. Miss Ross, you said that the staircase was from, was to the back part of the building near the offices, yes? Yeah, you got to go through the the bar and, you know, down. Or through the windows at the top and make our way. That may be, a, 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 it's not a facing the street. It's something that maybe we'd be less seen. If we go, a, a panel of glass is easier and less noisy maybe than a door, depending on if we can, the lock is pickable. I, I, I don't, but it sounds like we have two ways. Does intelligence come into play here? The idea, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, if you if you have an idea, if it's something over the top that your character wouldn't know, like, oh, well, wait a minute, that's Australopithecus. No, that's an idea roll because you're not a. If, but you're a pickpocket. You know, you're a. This is your game, so I think if you have an idea, you could just tell me. But that's what I'm saying. I yeah, you know, out of character, Scott is not a cat burglar. So Scott is so, an amazing cat burglar. Don't listen to that shit. I know you. He's been on so the run from the feds for five years, and they've never caught him until now. Oh wait, until now. <laughs> So yeah, go ahead and give me an idea roll. Okay. <laughs> out of character. No, not out of character. Bullshit. 
That is a nine, a zero and a nine, zero, zero, nine. Ooh, okay, so that's not an idea. That's a plan. That is a critical <laughs> success for bottom. That is a plan. The upstairs with the situation, the layout of the bar, and it's in a fairly, I'm not going to say busy part of the city, but, well, it's far more populated. Because remember, this thing is only, uh, by description, it's only a, like a block from the Dalsha. So mm -hmm. this is the tourist center of, of what is what is Kathmandu. Now, it's not tourist season, but... Prying eyes. Still more prying eyes, right. Even a lock-picking situation is going to put somebody on their knees in front of the door on the street. So the the entrance probably makes more sense to attempt the second story and through a window. And we don't know what kind of uh, exterior building there is. Try to get up to the second second floor. Um, you, if a quick walk downtown, we'll figure that out. Okay. The, getting in to the, getting to the window, it's only 12 feet up. I mean, even if one guy stood on another guy's shoulders and started hoisting himself up, you could do it. Yeah. This isn't, it's not that, it's not that kind of, you know, really secure or tall building. They're, in all honesty, they, the crime rate in Kathmandu on the off season, is nothing. Yeah. Like, non-existent. <laughs> everybody knows each other. There's, you know, nobody gets, gets robbed. Should we leave plan with girls in case things go badly? Oh, I, I, I would think that's probably the best thing. Yes. Um, that or, you know, um, well, they, they do know the upper level. Um, no, no, no. I mean, I mean with the young girls that we're leaving oh, behind oh, here. Oh, oh, oh. Like we've just come to help them out and then we disappear and then something, this goes poorly. We should probably have some backup plan for the girls, right? Leave them yes, some yes. money or something like that. Of, of course, no. That's that's a that's. Do, a very do you good anticipate plan. all of us dying? I mean, where things have happened. Um, mm. oh I, I anticipate everything, Catherine. <laughs> what? It is Nepal. <laughs> all, all, all possibilities are always on the table. <laughs> yeah, I kind of look at Catherine, and I just kind of you know give her like the the side eye, like. He kind of glances at the room with all the blood on the wall. <laughs> we did have run-ins. Um. Yeah, I think that we could you know leave the money so that way they do have something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go over the top because unless you want to watch two people cling on to you like a Villaggio painting, um, like a Boris, like from Boris, where they're just on the leg and they don't let you leave. Because right now they're just getting used to like people in their lives again. And you go, in case something goes wrong, here's a 45 with six shots. Oh, my God. <laughs> and a thousand dollars. Get out of town. Ah! I mean, you're going to have you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, that would cause a lot of anxiety. So let's. You just, you leave your possessions there, maybe a purse. Yeah. What I do is I just kind of, I just explain to the girls. I just say, we have to go take care of something. We're going to come back. But until we do, don't open the door for anyone. Well, often in this case, like um, write a letter and say like, yeah. if you do not see us in a couple of days, open this letter, <laughs> you know, something like that, you know? Sure. We'll, we'll leave something be, like that. You know, take any of our crap you want, you know, <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, and good luck. <laughs> Please wait at least 36 hours. Between us, we have like $10,000. We could literally just be like, buy Kathmandu and then be the boss. <laughs> Open a clinic with Catherine's medical supplies. Um, yeah. This this may be a stupid idea. Let me let me know. Before I ask this, Keeper, are we are we leaving the, the, the house now? Are we in progress to the location not yet. So the plan is just going down. Okay. So it's so perfect, by the time the plan goes off, it's probably to, 10 p.m. right now. Okay, perfect yeah. moment to to bring this up then. Um, I just uh, shot in the dark here. Why can't we just ask the guy to grab our friend's things under the floorboards? Ask what guy? The guy that owns the building. 
yeah, I think Vodum burned that bridge. Um, well, <laughs> we, we do, do you trust this man? This is this is friend of yours? Because if the answer is no, then there is no reason to ask him. No, what I'm saying is is that this this guy may just be a guy that owns a restaurant and mm -hmm. we're breaking into his building and. Mm -hmm. Maybe he would just let And us... if he uncovers something in floor that he feels is of value, then he thinks this is mine. I own place. This is mine. It introduces uh, it introduces something into the equation which is unknown. And he is unknown. He may be a bad guy. This guy could also just be a really good liar. And he could be waiting for us to approach him with something. So I, for one, am totally with the whole sneaking in and uncovering stuff. It's going to be more fun anyway. Plus, uh, Catherine, I know you do not know me well, but um, the, this is what I do. <laughs> okay. Vadim is, is very practiced at entering buildings quietly, leaving buildings and nobody ever knowing the better. I'm a straightforward person. Yes, you are. I respect that. I am too. I just and you see me. With my vision balls. Um... So with my vision balls, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, my, my vision balls with my with my sight orbs. Listen, um, just thought I'd bring it up, Catherine. There is a there is something to be said for that approach. Uh, the, the it really hinges on as Fadam pointed out. Well, it's in my wall. F you, it's mine. I'm not sure he'd play that card now with Fadam after he's been threatened. But he may call, you know, some sort of Catman to authority to say the guy stole it from me or took it from my wall, but it's my building. We don't know what's in there. If we knew it was just papers, maybe it wouldn't be an issue. But Yinko is a smuggler. To think that he didn't have a backup series of cash or weapons or other valuables inside of a wall. Or information. Yeah, you could be pulling out 10 Gs. You just don't know. And, and information can be more valuable than any amount of cash. Sure. But to a, to a new restaurant owner, yeah, anything uh, that comes out of the wall may be his, so... Um, I get the points That's we will, we'll, but if it can't be found, you can always do it that way. Can we go over your room again? Cause we didn't, <laughs> we didn't find anything. We tried sweeping it really thoroughly last night and just <laughs> couldn't find anything. So <laughs> going to talk, you're like, Ooh, man, somebody's torn up your office here pretty bad. That's rough. Damn. Wow. That sucks. <laughs> you want help with the investigation? Like if we rough the place up and Oh look, gaping hole in my wall, they're gonna know who did it. That's like, kind of obvious maybe but you know yeah so it, i guess put it back carefully if we can it's a good point don't just toss it and go because yeah you're right i was just threatened earlier that day by these people or this person it's a good that's a good that's a valid point yeah these really aggressive white people came in and like roughed up my bar and now there's stuff missing from my bar well and we were here the the very day before yeah sure yeah day of yeah Okay, so Jack, so uh, Jack and Vadim, Faye and Catherine, what's the uh, who's what, where, and why? Gustav's gonna, I guess, try to help Vadim make the climb to the second floor. Jack, are, do you want to take position across the street, keep an eye on things? Are you going in the building with them? What's uh, well, he had wanted me. He had wanted me to be on the outside, sort of keeping an eye. Well, on how something. how how's everybody stealth wise? Pretty decent. Yeah, uh, I mean, you. Myself's a sixty-one. Yeah, I'm a I'm a sixty-five. Uh, Catherine, do you want to share your numbers? And you have honey? a really high dexterity, too. I do. Um, Catherine likes to walk around with glow sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, she's constantly in a rave. I have a very heavy step. What about your botched role when we were on the mountainside and Jack's going ever so quietly and you and Ella are just like stomping in the snow behind him? 
How about John Schooley's uh, critical fail with the shotgun going That's off, a classic. Sneaking in the mansion. Yeah. <laughs> that was talked about in the review show so much. They were like, man, when that, when that gun went off, I'm like, boom. And then, and, and then I could just, I saw Raz and, you know, I could just hear him to go, yeah, somebody heard that. <laughs> <laughs> somebody did. Oh, I know Raz. He's going to be like, yeah, someone heard that one. <laughs> so we love that. I, That's awesome. Long story short, I'm not stealthy. So I'm happy to remain a lookout. You don't want me in there. Well, it is important role to have somebody uh, sound alarm if needed. Do you need me to hoot like an owl or something? Mm, sure. Okay, okay, well, pick a different bird because I can't hoot like an owl. You can yell like woman. That'll do it. Great. Um, <laughs> There's nobody better at yelling than you. How about, how about you, Jack? Can you yell like woman? Uh I, I can I cannot unfortunately yell as a woman, although I can do several birds, uh, depending on what you would look for. Catherine trying to warn somebody that there's people outside. <laughs> <laughs> I got him. Literally shoots person. Hey, there was somebody outside. There was someone here. We're golden. Everybody can disperse now. Nothing to see here. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Good firing there actually would be good because it would be like us get out and you guys run and cops go to look for something else. It's like a squid inking. Ah, gunfire. <laughs> so yeah, if you're if you're like if you're standing across the street and you see someone coming or or getting near and you're concerned, you run around the corner or, or head a street down and fire into the air. That's going to start getting because the sound's going to be far enough away, but it'll still be in the general vicinity. They'll right. hear it. Okay. So if what I'm hearing is correct, does bottom <laughs> We're giving Catherine a gun? N- no, um, that's not it. We, I'm I'm not worried about. Oh, I am a little bit. That's not the point. Um, does Vadim want me to go inside with him? I am thinking uh, Gustav uh, w- would be able to help the two of us inside. All right, Vadim and Faye going in and not messing stuff up. Oh, no, I can no. be careful. I promise I will not let you down. The best attempt at uh, entering a place unknown is to leave uh, unknown. Yeah, amen. Let's let's go. <laughs> That's profound. That was that was profound. that was that was a good look, Kate Keeper. Yeah, <laughs> profound. <laughs> All right, good line. So, Jack, you're on one corner. Catherine, you know, you have, uh, I guess, one of your Kenyan cigarettes out. You're doing your best, uh, Maltese Falcon or Casablanca, probably. Uh, Sitting there, I'm assuming, trying to keep yourself inconspicuous, yet the, the glow of the cigarette and the camera angle, just, you know, that draw. Sure, sure. Catherine, you are positioned further down the block, keeping an eye on things, shotgun under your coat. Everything seems to be okay there. Vadim, Faye, go ahead and give me a dex roll, please, to get up to the top floor. How do you want, do you want Gustav to go on top of Vadim? Do you want him to help you up? Yeah, he's going to give us a boost, right? Yep. So he goes ahead and assumes the great camel position. Since he's the only, he's the only normal sized of the three of us. (laughs) Yeah, right. I can't even be offended. He hoists mini me and mini her, mini him and mini her. That is a 53 for Vadim, which is a success. I rolled a one. Nice. She just vaulted over the building. I didn't even, I didn't even need Gustav. I just floated up on my own. (laughs) Yeah. She Chris angeled up to the top floor. (laughs) She She assumed the cross and just... Just, does Catherine like, see Faye levitate? No, because that would just make Faye shoot, uh, Catherine shoot Faye, and the game would be over. Would be so it. I don't want to do that to you. That would be it. Oh, oh Faye can also levitate. Not you too. 
we're normal. <laughs> yeah, Jack, let's take those kids and go home. We're we're done. I'm time to go, children. <laughs> let's go. I don't abide stage magic. No. But I could just see it. Jack and Fe- the ending shot is Jack and Catherine getting on a plane with two young children heading for Kenya. Yep. Yeah, we all are. Our new life on the range. <laughs> Goat farm and clinic. Yes. Do they have goats in Kenya, Jack? Roll credits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they sure do, baby. They sure do. Oh, there we go. The windows themselves are shut, but not shuttered. And none of them appear to be, you know, Gustav tries one and he's like, I think it's not locked. I think we're okay. So it's not even locked on the inside. So he goes ahead and with Fadim's permission, or if Adam wants to do it, someone can go ahead and make a roll and just give me a stealth check on the noise and we're good. Start getting you inside. Adam would uh, attempt that with his, let me just make sure I've got that uh, rule correct. Um, yeah, you had an extra roll, right? So I can reduce the difficulty die? level um, or okay. I can gain a bonus die. Um, Take the bonus die on this one because you just need a regular success. All right, so that is a 30, a 90, and a 3. So that would be a 33. Yep, you're good. So critical, or a hard opens, success. Yeah, window opens without a problem. Uh, you are into the first bedroom at the edge of the house. If uh, Ying, the staircase, as far as you remember from Catherine's layout, should be out the door ahead of you, somewhere nearby, and down the long end of the, so heading away from you if you enter this bedroom and then go out the hallway in front of you, you know, that'll be in front of that door. By the layout she gave you, Yinko's room or the master bedroom would have been all the way down the other side. Well, his first priority, obviously, is to to help Faye get inside. I don't, with a one, Faye, Faye's already inside. Oh, oh yeah, she, that's right. She floated up. And, I, and, I like yeah. to think that you have, like, your, your arms out to, like, catch me, but I just, like, I jump down with the grace of a cat and I just land next to you and I go, let's go. I'm like, Faye, you can come up now and you poke me on the shoulder. I'm already here. Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, you're in the wrong profession. <laughs> Impressive. Roll like that, yeah. Impressive. Um, in, and do we um, do we ask Gustav to keep lookout down there just in case somebody is, like, if there's, I don't know, he sees activity around the quarters or whatever? Back of the house? Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he, he can do that. He shuts the window down so that nobody would see an open window out of nowhere and, and curtains possibly flapping. Although there's no light uh, on the upstairs of the building right now. There's nothing. Um Everything seems to be in order. In this room's just dark. It has a bed. It's again tapestry on the wall, but nothing. You know, it's just like a some sort of you know, local rug scene, but nothing that's bed is empty. Bed is empty. Vadim, you know, kind of, you know, directs with Faye, you know, because you know we, we had the layout of all this drawn, so we have an idea in our head where we want to go. Yeah, this room's a ten by ten, so it's again, it's not big, but it's it's functional as a bedroom. Yeah. So we would move to the door, you know, uh, okay. crack the door, you know, go through the the motions of you know carefully moving through this area to make our way downstairs. Yeah. So you open the door, and there is a pretty good sized dog lying there, asleep. Doesn't appear to be, but he doesn't hear you open the door. But he's just heads. He's kind of like down, but by his breathing, you're like, oh shit! It looks like he's awake. But he's just lying there. How close to the door? Uh, within five feet. He closes his door and then, you know, kind of moves back away from it and says to Faye, you know, quietly under breath, there is dog outside of door. D- does it look big and unfriendly? Or it, are we talking it is. That? It is a dog meant for security. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. I'm not in the mood to get bitten by a dog on the ass tonight. So, um. And the, the noise is really the bigger concern. Would Vadim have an idea of how he might deal with, um, you know, dogs and things like this in the past? 
Well, there's one way that Faye would know to do it. Yeah, I mean, I would think Vodham would say, like, with dogs, you usually try to uh, entice them to go elsewhere, you know? like uh, mm-hmm. That's one way. The other way is to drag Catherine's not-so-quiet ass up here and start juicing them. Yeah. Give them, like, drop food and then give them a quick stick, quietly take them out. Or, you know, drop food in another area that, and then, you know, close them in another room. That could, they could start barking if they're separated or they see you. Most guard dogs are, you know, if they don't recognize, they're going to get Oh, no, no, not barky. with, like, like you drop the food, but they don't see you type of thing. You open a door, you know, you, you lure them in there, and then somebody goes around and closes the door behind them, you know, that type of thing. Mm, could. You could try that. So when you open the door, Vadim, the staircase was to your left 10 feet and, it like, at the corner ahead of you. So when you look out, it would have been crossed the hall 10 feet away. The dog was just at the corner on the right. So while you have a st- open path, you're not certain you can make all 10 feet and descend the stairs before that dog got to you. Dogs are pretty quick. In my head, and Faye, please, uh, if, if you have any thoughts on this, but what I'm thinking is we go back out, see about entering into another room. And, you know, spatially, I would think like, okay, this other room is away from the stairs where we could draw the dog. There is a bedroom next to you, another one that's down a little bit further. Yep, and see see if there's something we could put into that room, you know, um, maybe make a, you know, exit the room making a small, you know, noise. If it, I mean, we wouldn't have any meat or anything on us right now, would we? I'm kind of leaning towards getting something from Catherine and just drugging these dogs because I'm, I feel like any other way it could go very wrong. It is just one dog, right? That you saw. That we see, yeah. It's a pretty big building, Batum. It's, it, you know, the chances of him having several dogs of security wouldn't be out of the ordinary, especially like in the front of the, now you're not going to the bar, but like anywhere there's a lot of liquor that locals, it's just there to scare people off. I'm trying to he remember. Could have more than one. Yeah. If we saw any dogs while we were there, you did not, I didn't, you didn't mention it. So I wasn't sure if like, maybe we could do a roll to guess, but no, but I, I mean the size of this building, you're going to assume it's probably, and, and again, these are guest quarters up here. Uh, Ying Ko's live up here. That doesn't mean this guy does, but on this floor, you're seeing one. The bar probably has one or two, and then you just don't know. And the office where he keeps money and other – they're going to – he has no people. He's going to use dogs. Mm-hmm. I agree with Faye. I, yeah. think you're right. I think you're right, Faye. Grab some meat, drug the meat, throw the meat to the mm. dogs, let them pass out. Stuff the meat full that, of pills. Whatever, yeah. I, I think that's, that's the only safe way that we could do this. It's going to take time, but – Time we have. Yeah, we have time. Yeah. So why don't we call it there for tonight? It's about 1 a.m. Uh, it won't take long to prep that with Catherine. We'll start the next session from there. Jack's outside. Catherine's outside. We're going to make rolls for them real quick. But yes, uh, in Katmandu, about to get closer and closer to Adam's, hopefully answers to where his children may be, have been stashed. And we'll find out more about uh, what's going on here in uh, Nepal. But from all of us at the Bardic College, we want to say thank you for listening and joining us. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.